Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network, and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardo Sports Center studio. Ooh, welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Rowe. He's Kyle Jacobson. For the user OK, who said that uh, the over-under on seven and a half minutes late was going to be the number, we hit the under. We're live, pal. Just a couple of minutes late, so we're fine. Oh, I hid the comments from you, Kyle. That's my bad. You're not able to see him today. I was just looking for that, but I'll trust that you'll read any of the important ones. I saw your eyes darting around. I hit them so our guest wouldn't have to be uh, privy to them the other day. I I need to turn that back on. Sorry, Ryan says, let's gamble. We're gambling. We're in the Cardinal Sports Center studio live. If you need to gear up for anything, including the Lubbock Matadors whiteout game coming up or anything else, Texas Tech related or otherwise athletically, you can do it at Cardinal Sports Center, mycardinalsports.com, or live and in person right outside the loop on Slide Road. We're also part of the Republic of Football, Dave Campbell's football feed. You can find them wherever you find podcasts. Kyle, how you doing, man? I'm good. Did you also fix my mic issues so people won't hear me breathing all episode? It's going to be better today, yes. Okay. Already comments well, on the shirt, yes. I don't know what the deal was last uh, last week, I guess. It sounded like I was sucking wind the whole episode. And I didn't feel like I was breathing that hard, but I guess the mic was picking up everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what that was, but we figured it out, hopefully. All right, I think I turned your comments back on, too. All right. Uh, people are asking why the shirt. Uh, well, do you want to get right into it? Why the shirt? Or do you want to talk about your shirt first? Because that – technically happened first yeah we could talk about mine we'll t- let's talk big 12 baseball first then we'll go to the magnificent seven and it's officially off season we're talking conference realignment so you have the west virginia hat on that looks like the new york yankees number one in the big 12 baseball world the standings and the gambling gauchos world big weekend this weekend west virginia at texas baylor out of conference Kansas at Texas Tech, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma, TCU at Kansas State. Kyle, have you seen the standings? There is a chance for a six-way tie at second place. That'd be fun. If OU wins two, if Texas Tech wins three, if, uh, no, Oklahoma would have to win three, TCU would win two, you could have a bunch of uh, 13 and 11s. Texas getting one from Kansas, uh, from West Virginia, Kansas State winning one as well. You could have a bunch of uh, 13 and 11s. That would actually sum up the conference pretty well this season, I think. Um, I think certainly West Virginia deserves to be the champion, and they deserve to be a regional host. I think they've set themselves apart. I think Oklahoma State has also done that in the latter half of the season. Um, But, yeah, it would be fitting in a year where there was so much parity and seemingly not a lot of separation and no real elite teams that uh, you'd have a five- or six-way tie for second place. So I guess I'm rooting for it just because that would be kind of fun. Yeah, and in a world where the Big 12 generally gets maybe three 
Big 12 teams into the, the regionals. Uh, you had a year where Texas Tech finished third in the conference and was not in a regional. Uh, and all of a sudden this year you might have five, six Big 12 teams. Um, that could be a leap. That could be a giant leap. But stranger things have happened. And to have a bunch of evenly resumed teams like Texas Tech, TCU, Kansas State, all there in the middle – with West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Texas probably for sure getting in, you kind of have, uh, well, is Kansas State getting bumped? Is TCU getting bumped? Is Texas Tech getting bumped? You're kind of asking those questions now. I think of those teams, TCU is the one. If I was a TCU fan, I'd be most nervous. I think West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas, no question. I think Texas Tech, unless the wheels just absolutely fall off, I think they're on the right side of the bubble. But TCU, the RPI is 52. I think they were below 500 in conference play until this weekend sweep of Baylor this past weekend. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think K-State is also probably a bubble-ish team, but probably with Texas Tech on the right side of the bubble. Uh, TCU is the one I'd be most nervous about if I was a fan of them. Which is funny because if you're TCU, uh feels like they're the least nervous. I mean, they just seem very confident, and I guess maybe we just follow a baseball podcast that's very confident, but we'll see. I did. I have to shout out Ray for doing a blind resume test and leaving off perhaps the most important bullet point, uh, and also doing it, I don't think he did this on purpose, but right before we played the best team in the conference and our RPI strength of schedule is due to go up, yeah. he had all those data points like, Team A's strength of schedule is this bad. It's like, well, we're about to go on the road against like a top 10 team, so... Give us 72 more hours. Um, and, yeah, you you only take one out of three this weekend, but the RPI still goes up, uh, hovering around 40 now. And TCU, they sweep Baylor, and RPI is hovering at around 52. So I would say despite you going one and two and them going three and oh, you still exited the weekend in a better position than the Frogs. I would like to see – I would like to see those bullet points again the same bullet points between those two teams. We don't have to be blind either because we know what's happening. Um, But yeah, just playing West Virginia helped Texas Tech this weekend. Uh, Winning one helped a bunch. You went up 18 spots game one. uh, And what's crazy is you got beat by a touchdown and a field goal or they scored a touchdown and a field goal. And you went down one, two, because you're playing West Virginia. And that's how baseball works. Um, They beat you two to one this weekend. Regardless of the score, they beat you two to one. A lot of people feel or get in their feels, I should say, in baseball season because they go game to game. It's a lot more enjoyable for a baseball fan to go series by series. And you lost that series. You're now four and three in the Big 12 in series. Um, that's about where you are. I think you're still a top 35 team in the in the country. And the RPI has you at 40. Yeah, what I like to do with baseball in a three-game series is set expectations going in and, you know, depending on the opponent. So like with West Virginia, I thought, okay, a sweep borderline impossible. You never care what it looks like when you sweep a team two out of three, not undoable, but not likely Uh, two out of three, same deal against a team like West Virginia on the road. Any way you can get it, take it. If you win two games by one run and you lose 17 to three in the middle, like you did on Saturday, you take it Uh, one out of three, I would say, um, helps your NCAA tournament prospects and you avoid a sweep. And so that was kind of my, what I thought was a realistic outcome and a 
positive outcome for Texas Tech going in. And so, yeah, especially when you get game one, then you get greedy and go, okay, like, yeah, let's try to win this series. We have two opportunities or heaven forbid, could we sweep these guys? Uh, so the order in which you win or lose is always, you know, kind of impacts your psyche as a fan in baseball. But going in, I was like, let's get one out of three minimum and solidify our spot on the right side of the bubble. And that's what you did. So hard to complain too much. I mean, West Virginia's lost two games in the last month. And one of them was to Texas Tech in Morgantown. So uh, it was very unlikely that you were going to win that series or sweep them anyway. Saturday, you got absolutely demolished, and we could pick that apart, I'm sure. Um, but you got the RPI in a much better spot. You know, it was for a decent portion portion of the season, they're hovering around 60, which is not great. Um, so anyway, that's what I like to do with baseball is like set expectations, one out of three, two out of three going in and uh, try to stick to that no matter how it unfolds. A couple of comments here. Uh, Dwayne says, I love your shirt and hat, Rob. Thank you. You've upped your game tonight, setting a new standard. Thank you. Uh, Shelly says Ryan Hyatt should go with the fedora route. You think Hyatt has any fedoras in his closet? I think he does. Um, and then Dwayne says, I was impressed with the West Virginia crowd. They showed up even in the bad weather. I thought so too. There was a little bit of uh, contentiousness maybe at the end that, uh, the crowd was getting a little chippy, but you know, I like chippy crowds. I like that they are active and the West Virginia regional is going to be absolutely electric. Yeah, do you want to get into all that? I mean, we haven't really analyzed the actual baseball part yet. Yeah. So on Saturday, there's nothing to there's nothing to analyze. There's no commentary we can add. That... Well, I've, I've one comment on Saturday. Brady okay. Trashville does not look like an athlete, does not look like a pitcher, uh, and he carves people and pitches deep, deep into games. Yeah. By the way, if you're watching on Twitter, we cannot see your comments. Those are going to the ocean. Uh, I do not know how to change that. Well, I do know how to change it. Uh, come to YouTube. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit that like button. Smash it. Subscribe uh, on YouTube. So if you want to comment, come to YouTube. Go to Facebook. At Gambling Gauchos on either platform. Uh, Baseball-wise, I really don't know how much to say. I, I I thought you played well Friday. I thought you played well Sunday. They housed you on Saturday. But we can get into the crowd aspect. So I'll, I'll be the first to say... You know, uh, okay. Anytime you start talking about this, it immediately pivots to like, what about isms and, oh, you guys do the same thing or whatever. And so I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not pretending like Texas Tech's football crowd or basketball crowd or any of that is like a country club tennis match. I know that our students cuss. I know that our fans have flipped the bird, all that fun stuff. What I think we're not guilty of, Rob, is doing that kind of thing and then crying about the other team's lack of sportsmanship. Is that fair? Yeah, and I thought that was a weird cry anyways. Like and some of our fans cried about it too, and they just don't pay attention, I guess. And they haven't been to a baseball game this year, apparently. So, like, I'm not saying that they're wrong for maybe suggesting – if there was a handshake snub, and we can we haven't even gotten into that part yet. If there was a handshake snub, yeah, that's not great unless there's some underlying reason for it. Um, so I'm not saying their fans are wrong to to have wanted maybe our coach to shake hands or whatever, but you are wrong if your own coach got ejected for putting hands on an ump. Your fans are on video flipping off the umps. You're doing a "you suck" chant. I misinterpreted that hand up. Thought it was a, I thought it was a, 
a word that yeah. rhymes with suck you, but it was you suck. Yeah. Um, but still, you do all that and then go, hey, where's the sportsmanship, guys? Come shake our hands. It's like, well, I don't. it doesn't seem like sportsmanship was what y'all were going for. Um, so, again, not saying Texas Tech was right, but also not saying that uh, the West Virginia fans' behavior was right. Also not griping about it, though. Like, yeah. I'm not doing the pearl clutching. I'm not saying that y'all shouldn't be fired up and yell at the umps. Do whatever you want. Um, it just seems a little bit hypocritical to – bemoan the lack of sportsmanship after putting on a display like that yeah i thought that was really weird and look fans are fans and if you weren't at the game if you weren't a west virginia fan at the game you're just a west west virginia fan commenting on twitter uh you probably didn't even know that west virginia fans were doing all those things so is what it is uh didn't really care about all that didn't care about the handshake line because handshake lines like that don't happen you, you don't you, like it's not high school baseball. You don't meet on the mound and shake hands. The coaches might at home plate generally, but on a Sunday, the winning team meets at the mound and shakes the winning team's hand. The, the losers don't go out there. Yeah, that's you what know, I couldn't figure out because on Sunday you went to the dugout. It was the West Virginia play-by-play guy or 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 somebody like that who initially tweeted that out. He was like, you know, the game goes final and Texas steps. Texas Tech skips the handshake line, and of course Twitter just ran with it. Um, and I sort of, yeah, I didn't think much of it. And then people were like, there is no handshake line. I was like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. Like when we yes. play TCU or whatever in Lubbock, like the teams didn't line up and shake each other's hands. So I, I don't know if they're maybe just new to the baseball thing because they're having their greatest season of all time, probably on track for that right now. Um. <laughs> I don't know. Or if there was like a snub, like if Tadlock refused to go out there or something. Um, I'm not sure what transpired. I don't know if we have answers there. But I mean, I mean this sincerely. Uh, they're going to host a regional and it's going to be Liddy. So yeah. I'm happy for the fans in Morgantown, especially if they let more of them on the berm down the first baseline. That place is going to be electric. A word to the beer distributors and the moonshine distributors in Morgantown, West Virginia. I double. Buy double and maybe uh maybe get some barbecue or something. If you were gonna stock barbecue for a regional, Kyle, who would you go to? Uh, I'd stock up on Rahino. I uh, wish they were a little bit closer. If they were, if they were as close as our friends in say like Norman or Stillwater, I would totally go to that uh, Morgantown regional wearing this hat and this is our gear from when we committed to the ears during March Madness, but. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd bring a cooler full of Rahino barbecue and probably swap that out for some moonshine and uh, let the fine people of the Appalachian region enjoy the best barbecue from West Texas. That shirt would go very well in West Virginia. I don't know how much of the rest of the country it would go over well in right now. Yeah, I got this before Bob Huggins was canceled. Uh, he does like a fish fry with Charles Barkley, and it's the only West Virginia shirt I own, so I had to wear it. It's not like any kind of – commentary on the recent bob huggins news it's just Fair like I said, the only west virginia shirt i own so i wore it <laughs> uh jeff says nice lid i think he's talking to you i think he's got the same one in his profile picture nice uh gauchos hear me out this is a college bowl question or a statement rather bowl games need to be revised to only get an invite if you have 500 or better in conference play i'm for it if uh conferences start playing 10 conference games did you see the Big Ten news? They're gonna they're they're talking about not having to play Power Five 
opposing power five. Surely that's because they're going to play 10 conference games, right? No, I think I think that is actually not news. I think that if people would read carefully, it says that they're dropping the requirement to play a power five opponent. But you would think most of those schools would still want to play a power five opponent. I think and you're so I, giving them the benefit of the doubt instead of giving me the benefit of the doubt. I mean, do you really think Ohio State fans are going to want to play three FCS schools? No, but what about Rutgers? Ohio State's going to play Power Five, but Rutgers may not. Well, who cares? Indiana. Indiana is going to go 2014 Baylor on their non-con. Who cares? Those aren't the teams we really care about in the Big Ten, you know, nationally, are they? Uh, no, there's only three teams I care about in the Big Ten. I mean, who did Rutgers play in the non-con last year? No idea, but I couldn't tell you who Ohio State played. Yeah, you could because they played Oregon recently and they played TCU somewhat recently. Okay. They've played some big well, they played Oregon matchups. I'm so excited for that Oregon game in Lubbock. Me too. I am worried, though, staying on topic real quick. I am worried that as the Big Ten and SEC separate, they're not going to – they're just going to quit playing – um, ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, whatever that looks like, and kind of like freeze them out. Yeah. Because if you're if you're one of the better teams that's not in the power two, like let's say Oregon and Washington stay in the Pac-12 or Clemson, Florida State, Oklahoma State, you know, programs like that, why would the Floridas and Alabamas and Michigan States of the world that are in the power two, why would they give you a platform to – Go prove that you're just as good on a national stage. Like, I think they'll just kind of tuck their tail and run. You know, it's the same philosophy kind of as like A&M refusing to play Texas or any Big 12 schools. They're like, well, it doesn't do us any good. If we win, we're supposed to win. If we lose, it's a black eye. And so I think that a lot of Big 10 and SEC schools are going to adopt that uh, frame of mind for non-conference scheduling, and that's going to suck. Uh, Haley says, I'm so jacked up for Oregon. It's May, and I'm pissed drunk on Kool-Aid. Not so. Hey, um, by the way, Brett McMurphy, a couple of bombs today. We'll talk about the Texas Tech bomb first. Uh, you ready for a Cotton Bowl against Alabama? <laughs> wait, wait, I've wait, been wait, waiting wait, 18 years, Rob. Has it been 18? Yeah, 2006. Wow. Um, what's more likely? Texas Tech is in the – Cotton Bowl or Alabama misses the playoff for a second straight season? Oh, I think Alabama missing the playoff is far more likely. Really? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they have better than a 60% chance of making the playoff. I mean, I know it's Alabama and they reload, but they just lost a three-year starter at quarterback. True. Or two-year starter at quarterback, maybe. Heisman. they're you know they're stuck against they're gonna have to play Georgia in the conference championship game if they make it that far they're stuck in a division with Brian Kelly who I think pound for pound is one of the best coaches in college football so it's not gonna be easy for them versus Texas Tech pegged as probably the fourth best team in the Big Twelve via the odds makers uh, making it all the way to the New Year's Six I would say that's less likely it's just so crazy to me that um. Alabama made it every single year, and then they're going to miss two in a row. That just seems crazy. They didn't make it in 2019. I thought that was the last, the first year they didn't make it. 
last year? Nope, they didn't make it in 2019. Really? Tua got hurt against LSU. Oh, Mac yeah. Jones lost in the Iron Bowl, and they That's didn't right. make it. That's right. That's the uh, LSU season. Yeah. Greatest show on turf. Somebody posted highlights of that game, LSU versus Alabama, and they were like, count how many NFL players. And it really was ridiculous. It was Burrow to, of course, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. And then Bama had Tua, Jalen Waddell, um, Devontae Smith. Just crazy. And then I think Mac Jones came in that game for Tua, so he's in there. Not only NFL guys, but like first yep. rounder after first rounder. That game was insane. Defensive line, too. Oh, yeah. That's not even counting like all the defensive or, or linemen. So. Yeah. It's like uh, 2008, Big 12 South. Seriously. Uh, is Texas Tech primed for an expanded playoff bid in McGuire's third year? Yes. Uh, fourth year. I think the fourth year is really where you see it pay off. I think by year three, they'll have the talent level where we'll be contenders for a 12-team playoff. Because you're, you're probably thinking like top two in the new Big 12. Um, maybe top three would get into a 12-team format. And I think we'd be right there talent-wise. Here's why I say top four or year four. Um, the level of super senior you have on this roster, I think you're going to maybe take a step back next year, be more talented but inexperienced. And then year four, you're really going to be good, I think. Uh, all right. We did allude to it earlier. Um, when you were talking about the Big Ten and the SEC just taking over, uh, the ACC is having some impending doom here. Uh, seven schools met for more than four hours today. Virginia Tech, NC State, Miami, Clemson, Florida State, Virginia, and North Carolina about potentially getting out of the grant of rights. They're calling it the Magnificent Seven. Uh, first of all, badass name. Second of all, uh, I wouldn't have if you would have given me seven teams, seven chances to name seven teams that wanted out of the ACC. I would have given you for sure Clemson and Florida State, Virginia Tech, NC State, and North Carolina. But I don't know when I don't know about NC State or Virginia. Uh, certainly not surprised Duke not being mentioned. Um, I don't know if I could have got to some Miami for sure. Miami for sure, but I, it just it seems like there's a lot of those academics out there that don't care about athletics like some do, and certainly that seems like an athletic-based conversation. Yeah, I, I think Florida State and Clemson are the two that have been making a ton of noise. Miami probably living in the 80s and early 2000s, thinking that they're in that same realm too. And then I think UNC and Virginia just as kind of like large state flagships and the academics, I think they are confident they'll have a seat at the power two. So those would be the five. And then I thought Virginia Tech and NC State were kind of political inclusions. Um, probably UNC and Virginia didn't want their in-state public school counterparts to find out that they were part of the Fab Five. And so they're like, yeah, we'll make it the Magnificent Seven. Right. Um, but, yeah, no surprise at all that Wake Forest, Boston College, Syracuse, Louisville, Georgia Tech. Uh, Georgia Tech, I think, is kind of fringe because they're they're really good academically. They're in a huge market. Yeah. 
but yeah, I, I think it's it it's an interesting conversation because if I understand it correctly, they need three quarters of their membership to vote to disband the grant of rights, or they need a successful legal challenge. They need a way out of the contract because right now they are locked in through 2036. And so here's what I struggle with. Florida State and Clemson and Miami and UNC can want out as badly as they want. They could have the Big Ten and SEC saying, yeah, we've got a spot for you as soon as you're free. But what incentive does Boston College or Syracuse or Wake Forest have to vote to disband the conference before 2036 if they don't have a landing spot in the Power Two? And I I don't even think like the Pitt – and Louisville's of the world would vote to disband knowing they had a home in the Big 12. I think they would prefer to stay in the ACC. So I I don't think they're going to get the votes to disband the conference and nullify the grant of rights. It's going to take a successful legal challenge. But I think this is a great first step um, because I kind of assumed in all of our conversations on conference realignment in the last, I don't know, two years, that the ACC was off the table. Even when we got crazy after Texas and Oklahoma left, before USC and everything else, and we were talking way into the future, you kind of always said, well, it would be awesome for the Big 12 to have Miami and NC State and Pitt uh, after the, the new additions to kind of have UCF and Miami and then really get into Florida. Then you have Pitt up there with Virginia and, and Kentucky, or not Kentucky, Cincinnati. Then you add the state of Kentucky with Louisville. That's a really nice pod. That's a really nice pod in Florida. But that was all like, well, let's just get the Pac-12 schools first and do that. But now you might be doing it all at once. And maybe you're still four years out for the for the ACC, but this just adds incentive for the Pac-12 stuff to be wrapped up sooner. Because the next level is already coming. Yeah, I I was thinking on similar timelines. I mean, I've been pretty 50-50 on if the pack if you'd be able to poach from the Pac-12 this round. And I kind of thought of a timeline where they would the Pac-12 would stay together for another four or five years, and then Oregon and Washington would move on, and you would add, you know, a pod of uh four corner schools in twenty twenty-eight or you know, whatever. And then you'd wait another five or six years and the ACC would be close enough to the end of their contract that they would start announcing some movement. So, yeah, I thought you'd be building up over the next 10 or 12 years, like, okay, add four from the pack in a few years. And then a few years after that, add a pod to, you know, make things make more geographic sense and all that for West Virginia, Cincinnati and UCF. And I don't know, it, it still could be on that timeline, but it seems like Florida State and Clemson went from – you know, hey, it's disappointing that we're falling behind to like, let's exhaust any and all options to try to get out of this. If they want a recommendation on an, an attorney to challenge that grant of rights, who would you send them to, Rob? I think I'd send them to the BHW law firm. I, I don't know if they handle that kind of stuff, um, but I certainly think that they could give you some precedent. Yeah, they could They could give it a try. And I would assume that would be good for our, our friends over at Barnett, Howard & Williams. Because we're talking a, you know, multi-billion-dollar contract or whatever, that if they're able to nullify and get Florida State and Clemson paid, you know, they take their one percent or five percent or whatever, and uh, 
Barnett Howard and Williams might this might be the Barnett Howard and Williams podcast. Yeah. You know. Anyway, uh, they they do good work. I don't think they actually challenge grant of rights agreements, but they do handle all sorts of uh, criminal defense, catastrophic injury, Title IX student litigation, bhwlawfirm.com. I, so I still want some PAC schools, mostly the Arizonas. I kind of want Utah just so that BYU has the holy war. I want the Arizonas for the Pacific time zone. I want the border conference revivalry. Colorado, I'm kind of – yeah, take them if they're there, I guess. If you added those four or any combo of those four out west and you could get a pot of four out east, in my opinion, I think you're able to sort of counteract one of the um, biggest casualties of modern conference realignment, which has been to take away all this tradition and rivalry and regional aspect of the game. And, you know, now UCLA and Rutgers are playing conference games against each other. It makes no sense. But if you're able to pair BYU with Utah and put Colorado with some old Big Eight rivalries, and you've got four Southwest Conference schools back together, and then you've got on the Eastern Seaboard West Virginia and Cincinnati playing rivalry games against Louisville, you know that's a trophy game. That's a keg of nails. Yep. West Virginia Virginia Tech is the uh, the Blackstone Trophy. What's that called? Not the Blackstone Trophy, Black Diamond Trophy. Yeah. I've got grilling on my mind. Uh, I was on the Blackstone this weekend. Um, of course, the Backyard Brawl, that's a that's one of the greatest rivalries in college athletics. ESP. So uh, I, I think that'd be great specifically for kind of the two poles of the conference, which would be BYU and West Virginia. But you would get, you would get true rivalry games and real tradition and history back in an expanded conference. And this might be a pipe dream. I mean, maybe you're not going to 20 teams or even 16 teams. But mapping it out, it looks good. If you could get anywhere near that, I think it would make a lot of people happy. I don't want to pass in terms of team number, the Big Ten or the SEC, but I want to keep up with them. And if the Big Ten and the SEC are moving that way, then, yeah, I think you can be aggressive in that market. Um, Personally, I want two Pac-12 schools and then just kind of live there for a while. Um, if you end up getting four, you get four. Uh, Shelly says, give me a balanced overlook of the national landscape before clinging to the ACC and PAC. Uh, zoom out and identify our own best fits with offensive thought, not reactionary thought. Uh, well, I think the teams in the PAC and the ACC are the best fits. Um, there are two lanes out there who I think can grow and get bigger. Uh, but let them grow and get bigger somewhere else and then eventually maybe get into something. But, I mean, if you're talking about just big gets, Miami is a big get athletically. Virginia Tech, Pitt would be huge gets. Louisville would be huge gets, not only to get further east and be more national and compete with the time zone that dominates college football and sports in general, the east, the Eastern time zone. Uh, you're also creating those regional rivalries, which are great for college football and college sports in general, like you just said. So I think that is the offensive thought to add those certain schools and to target them in other conferences. I, I think that is the, the offensive thought instead of the, the reactionary. Absolutely. And depending on the age of some of our listeners, first off, I, I, I don't think I'll ever live down the embarrassment of calling the Black Diamond Trophy the Blackstone Trophy. 
Um, but Big East football, you remember, Rob, it was a lot of fun. And yeah. the, the teams changed over a lot because some of them went to the ACC. And But I remember, like, especially that 2007 season when basically half the country got to be ranked number one or number two at some point. And USF was there. Um, Rutgers played some thrillers. Louisville and UCF, Cincinnati, like they all played each other. And so maybe it's not ideal. Maybe it's not perfect. But rekindling some of those old school Big East rivalries that used to play some incredible games on Thursday or Friday nights, it would be a lot of fun for this conference. And I, I think really broaden your appeal nationally. You know, the fact of the matter is when, when Texas and OU left, you were pretty – besides West Virginia, everybody's up and down the I-35 corridor more or less in somewhat rural markets and a little bit of a hodgepodge. Like Iowa State playing TCU isn't it, – it's a strange fit to have a private school in Fort Worth playing a, an ag school in Iowa. And so I think if you were able to get a little bit of a western pod, a little bit of an eastern pod, it would complement itself really, really well and you wouldn't be this island of misfit toys. It'd actually be, you'd have, you could probably do two full, full blown rivalry weeks. If you wanted yeah. to start the season with one in September, end it in November and not like partly contrived rivalries. I mean, you'd have some of that. Like I still want Houston and UCF to do the space race, but you'd have legit Holy war backyard brawl, revivalry, Farmageddon, dust bowl, keg of nails, you name it. Yeah. And then kind of these secondary rivalries. So like West Virginia versus Virginia Tech, Texas Tech versus TCU battle for the saddle, all that good stuff in there too. UCF Cincinnati, that's a, I mean, I know that one's already there, but uh, if you've interacted with any of their fans on Twitter, they have some pretty serious animosity for each other. And so I, I hope we get some version of this and I'm really curious to see how this plays out with the ACC. But again, I think it all goes back to, can they even challenge their contract or are they, stuck for the next 12 years. The Braves are stomping the Rangers. Uh, NC State would be a great fit. I do think that, but with who? Because I think NC State's a great fit culturally, kind of feel-wise, but I think they'd have to come with NC State or North Carolina. Um, I don't think they fit on their own. They'd be a little bit lonely. I think you'd have to, if that map we tweeted out, winds up being accurate, you'd have to make them and Virginia Tech kind of force a rivalry, which that might sort of be just because they're in the same area, same conference. But obviously they both have other teams that they yeah. think of as rivals before each other. But if they're if they're alone with each I mean, it's kind of like when, uh, when Oklahoma leaves, Oklahoma State kind of has to find a new rival to play every year. So you got to lean into something new. So if you could pair those two together, you know, I think that wouldn't be the worst thing ever. But yeah, I don't want to take Wake Forest. Maybe you bring Duke for basketball. It'd be an incredible basketball conference if you if you started considering Duke and Syracuse on top yeah. of Louisville. If you wanted UConn as basketball only, Arizona, Kansas. If you wanted Gonzaga for basketball only, you could do some pretty crazy stuff with with the basketball conference. But yeah, I don't know if NC State would be. I don't know who you would pair them with besides kind of manufacturing a pairing with Virginia Tech or bringing along Duke for basketball. Alex says the guy from American Aquarium is a North, uh, North Carolina State guy, and he likes Lubbock. That's good enough for him. I'll put that in the uh, in the six degrees thread whenever we play NC State for a conference game. Uh, you can do it next year when they come to Lubbock. They don't actually return for a while, right? 
Oh, is it not? Is it year after next? I think it's like 27 or 28. It's a while. That's annoying. Yeah. It's uh, amazing what the Big 12 could do now that it has a commissioner. Yeah. Hey, I we should harp on that. When, when the Big 12 was trying to survive back in 2011, 2012, they added West Virginia, which was great, but they should have taken Louisville and probably Cincinnati at the same time. Like, it made no sense, in my opinion, to pair West Virginia with TCU when you already had Texas, Texas Tech, and Baylor. Like, you didn't do anything to expand the footprint. And you could have said, like, okay, yeah, we're going to go all in and, you know, make this pod out east and take the best programs from, at that point, the Big East. So I think it was a missed opportunity. You could have had Cincinnati and Louisville under your umbrella for the last decade. And I, I think that was kind of a whiff. Yeah, for sure, Louisville. I mean, you can rectify that soon, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, all right. Do you have any other final thoughts on realignment, or do you want to get to the diversified mail mailbag? No, I want to follow realignment tidbits that come out over the next couple of days and stew on this, and I think you and I can – we have all off-season to do realignment scenarios. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm mulling through a Dos Equis sponsorship for the Big 20 and a, a new conference logo. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that more next, uh, next episode. All right, the Diversified Lenders mailbag. Diversified Lenders, turn your cash into accounts receivable. Turn your accounts receivable into cash, whatever it is. They know I don't. But uh, visit them at diversifiedlenders.com. Consider the following. You're at bat and your team is being held hitless off base late into the game. Uh, no hitter is intact. You make contact and hit a ground ball that forces an infielder into a tough but still playable out. How hard do you run to try to break up the no-hitter? As hard as you can. It's, yeah. This this question never made sense. Uh, if it's the eighth inning and it's one to zero, I'm bunting for a hit. I'm calling for uh, a slap hit. I'm telling you to take whatever you can get. I, I never understood the, oh, it's against the unwritten rules to bunt for a hit in the no-hitter. Get on base. You're trying to win a game. You don't care about their records. I think it depends on the score. If you're in a if you're in a one to zero game that's a no hitter, then yeah, everything's on the table. If you're losing eight to zero in a no hitter, I wouldn't bunt, but you still have to run it out. Otherwise, it diminishes the achievement for the other guy. Like throwing a no no against a team that's not running it out is kind of like I could do that. If you hit the ball and don't run, I could throw a no no. Yeah, that cheapens the no hitter. Yeah, it wouldn't be a perfect game because I'd walk two out of three batters, but I could throw a no-no if nobody ran to first. Yeah. I would walk every batter. I'm not I'm not Dallas Braden over here, but I could throw a no-no. Come on. Uh, that was technically on the ninth, but Mother's Day is when he threw it. 2010? I think that's right. What is one sporting event stadium you want to see before you die? How about I'm going outside the box here? How about the Colosseum in Rome? Interesting. <laughs> I was waiting for the ruling there. I would go, um, yeah, that's not a bad one. Obviously, you're talking about historical there. Or my runner up would be War Memorial Stadium in Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that one. Um, I will say, um, talking about 
some of these ACC schools. Virginia Tech would be really fun to go to, see the Inner Sandman. Um, I would love to go to a, a backyard brawl. Some of these regional rivalries, I'd like to go to uh, the game, you know, Ohio State, Michigan. A bunch of those college football rivalries, that would be really fun to get out to. But just specific stadiums, uh, I want to go to Allegiant there for Chiefs Raiders in the in the NFL. I've never been to Yankee Stadium, but it's not old Yankee Stadium, so you yeah, know, I think a lot of history there. I think Wrigley or Fenway would be top of my list if I was trying to go to like a historic ballpark. Yeah, I've been to Wrigley. Saw a walk off at Wrigley. That's cool. Back in two thousand seven, I've always wondered how crazy it would be and if it really sets in if you live in one of those apartments or like work in one of those office oh, buildings yeah. it's literally right there yeah i think, that, be, I, I think it'd yeah. be cool but if you live there for 15 years or something i don't know maybe you'd get sick of it oh something i've seen a lot on social media lately is that hotel at, in toronto have you seen this there's a hotel in the outfield so you can book a room overlooking the stadium that's toronto. cool yeah i don't know if i want to go to canada but uh, will we see Texas Tech try at the Big 12 tournament for the first time in a while? I thought they were trying last year because yeah, uh, and, and they went one and two, which is what they always do if they don't go over two. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you really don't have the pitching depth to play in that kind of format. I think even a, a regional four games might be a stretch, but yeah, Big 12 tournament, you might have to play five games, and uh, like I don't know who's pitching game five. <laughs> Depends what happens against Kansas, I guess. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, as long as the wheels don't fall off against Kansas, you're you're in and can treat it like you normally do. But uh, piggybacking off the earlier question, what team's ballpark would you most want to visit if Tech could schedule a home and home non-con? Bluebell. Oh, this is for baseball. Yeah. Ballpark. Mm. I assume it's baseball. Oh, okay. I missed that. Um, I mean, Duty Noble, Bluebell, some of those SEC stadiums I'd want to go to. Yeah, I think Stark Vegas. What? BYU. But oh, okay. No, I was trying to answer the question before you gave your third answer. Uh, so sorry for interrupting there, Rob. Yeah, we'll go with you. Interrupted me there. <laughs> I'd probably. I know you played there recently, but I didn't get to go. But going to Stark Vegas would be fun good program and uh they they treat it like a big deal out there i think that's a problem with baseball is so many fan bases just don't really engage and so really yeah it is a lot of sec some acc that they really treat it like they should and, and make it fun so i'd go with one of those uh mr root says creighton by the way yeah it's uh omaha we got some goat talk here have you ever sacrificed a goat? No. Me neither. Sorry, trying to get through some stuff here. Uh, we don't need to yeah, talk about selling Kind goat. of polluted it a little bit during the goat yeah. talk. Meat goat production is very profitable. Okay, what are we doing here? What player in any sport would you cure of the injury bug if you could? And he went all time because he said Ken Griffey Jr., that's a good one. I think Ken Griffey Jr. is probably – if he stays injury-free, he's probably regarded as the greatest baseball player of all time. 
Yeah, it's hard to top that. I can't think of anybody else that I'd be that confident saying they'd be the best to ever play their sport had they not been injured. So I think Ken Griffey is the right answer. Bo Jackson. Yeah, that's a good one. Maybe not of all time, but certainly would have prolonged his football career. Sure. I don't understand this question, so I'm not going to read it. Uh, can we get Ludwig Aberg on the pod before he becomes super rich on the live tour? This comment. I actually thought of that same comment earlier. Oh, he was he, he was already it. toward the tail end of his career, though, so it wouldn't have actually, I don't think, changed much. Uh, Ludwig, by the way, oh, I was going to say this earlier. Uh, in the Norman Regional, Texas Tech leading after day one, they'll play three rounds. They're minus ten. OU in their own regional, Tech's the one seed, but Oklahoma's a. Uh, Minus nine, Alabama minus seven, Duke minus five, Colorado minus four, the top five advance. And I believe Ludwig is in the top five, top three in the individuals at minus five today, the two in front of him at minus six. He is solo third. And then you had the Big 12 track champions, Texas Tech, this weekend. 179 points, the most ever in a Big 12 championship meet for a I think, team. I think just a program record. No, they uh, doubled down that it was a Big 12 record. Oh, really? Yeah. And we didn't even run the 4 by 4 And they did not even re- run the last meet, which is crazy because uh, I guess you can just run it whenever and qualify. You don't even have to qualify at the meet to go to the next meet. It's an interesting tidbit. Yeah, I think they'll have a real shot at uh, competing for – an outdoor national championship. They've been ranked second all season. And, you know, I, I don't have the time to do this, but if somebody was curious enough, they could look at every every qualifier's personal best and just sort of make a points projection on, like, let's say it goes chalk, everybody runs their personal record, which some people are going to break their personal record and some aren't going to match it, which is why there's movement up and down. But I think Tech will have a shot. I mean, they'll, they're gonna, obviously going to have to perform really well. I think Chase was saying that, you know, most of our bread is buttered in the short sprints, and so they really need to get a lot of points in the 100, 200. Um, but, yeah, it'll be fun to follow that. And, of course, they won it all in 2019, and it be really cool to see them do it again. Uh, one of our picadors is watching this Braves game in uh, Arlington. It's 10-0. Last I checked, the Stars were up. Final thoughts before we go watch the uh, third period? Um, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. We're having a lot of fun over there. Now that it's off season, we have a little bit more time to do some interviews. And so we started a series with some local Lubbock media legends. We talked to David Collier, Casey Cowan. Those were a lot of fun. And we just caught up with Tennessee Titans kicker, former Texas tech kicker, Trey Wolf. That was also a lot of fun. It's $5 a month. Get you access to those types of interviews. We've got others with Cody Campbell, Dusty Womble, Sonny Cumbie, Matt Mooney. Get you access to the number one Texas Tech fan Discord server. You can live stream some episodes that we don't stream on YouTube. You can ask questions in the mailbag. It's a pretty good deal for five bucks a month, especially with inflation. This was like four twenty-five a month a year ago. So take advantage. My final thought, Rob. I met Jordan Spieth. Speaking of the parlay picadors. 
went to the Byron Nelson and met Jordan Spieth. He's a cool guy. He's married to a Red Raider, and so we, when it was our turn to take a picture, we asked him if he would do a guns up, and he was cool about it. And so I hope he wins another major so that we can say, you know, that we're happy for Red Raider legend Jordan Spieth. And uh, it was pretty cool to meet him. So that's my final thought, I guess. It's a beautiful final thought, and I'm going to end it with that one as well. Thanks, Rob. Love y'all.